Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Clearance. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you two. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. Welcome back to part two of our two-part episode here at the NBA Podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. We're going to start by delving into the MVP balloting, which came out Tuesday, and then we will talk about the Executive of the Year race, which came out Monday. Stephen Curry is the first unanimous MVP in NBA history. I think we can agree that that was well-deserved. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so... There were some interesting results down ballot a little bit. Uh, Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Why, as we mentioned earlier, finished second. LeBron was third, I think only a couple votes behind Kawhi. Russ was fourth. KD was fifth. James Harden got a third place vote, so I'd like that voter to have his credentials rescinded because that is yeah. egregious. But I want to briefly talk about Kawhi LeBron and where you fall on that. Do you think Kawhi was a deserving number two, or should LeBron have been ahead of him? No, Kawhi was a deserving number two. Wow. Okay, I, I I definitely have him up there. Um, LeBron no longer cares about the regular season all that much, which is completely fine mm-hmm. i mean completely fine uh but it, it comes with the consequence that then he shouldn't be taking that serious in the mvp voting and i think overall i think Kawhi just had the better regular season and the mvp is still a regular season award and you need to take account of that he was the defensive player of the year he was a driving force behind a 67 win team he started creating shots like he was Kobe, yeah. and he did so efficiently. Uh, I mean, yeah, LeBron is great and all, but this season, Kawhi just played better. I mean, LeBron even lost his shooting touch. Yeah. Like, his three ball was went down the toilet. That's true. So, I, I think it's completely fair to put him behind Kawhi. So, LeBron was three? Yeah. You know what? I would put him fifth. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm... Come on, come on. Okay, let me. Okay, what's your argument for LeBron over KD and Russ, though? I think without LeBron, the Cavs don't even make the playoffs, or maybe they're a first 
round team. And that's it. Okay, so you're taking the MVP literal, yeah, like the like, most value. Okay, right. you know what? If if we do that, then I agree. It's just I miss I miss like the the description of what the the award actually is. But right. At times, it's like a popularity contest. Yeah. Sometimes it's the best player. Sometimes it's the most valuable. Like, what the hell is it? Yeah. Like, if it's the most valuable, okay, fair enough. Then I get your point. I agree then he should probably be third because I still think Kawhi is more valuable mm-hmm. overall. But he wouldn't be more... He, oh, your Kawhi and Russ wouldn't be more valuable in that sense over LeBron. But in terms of better player and what they did in the regular season, I have LeBron fifth. Mm. Okay. Because yeah. I don't think he was as impressive as the remaining four. Um, but yeah, like what what is in that award really? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is that no one knows. So I think you know Steph was the unanimous MVP because he had a historic season: thirty points, fifty, forty-five, ninety shooting, seventy-three win team. Like there is no denying best player, most valuable player. Like the team is still good without him, but not historically good. That was easy. Um, yeah, I think from there it's really. It's so subjective that you can't say, you know, it's best player or the player who adds the most value to his team. I think the thing for LeBron with me is that you're right in that he's giving more effort now in the playoffs that he did during the regular season. He has a tendency recently to kind of loaf on defense sometimes, or he picked up this thing from Dwayne Wade where if he doesn't get a call that goes his way, he just sits on the other end and complains to the refs and makes his team play four and five. Um, that said, he's still LeBron James. Like he's still so good. He's still so yeah. good. And I think he spoiled us for so long by being so much better than every other player that now he, he has actual challengers and we're comparing him to his past heights. And he is not the player he was even two or three years ago. He's lost maybe 5%. But still, LeBron James at 95%. I mean, I honestly would have had him second. I would have had him above Kawhi on my ballot. So, I, it, it's tough. I mean, any of those five guys are all deserving. Being Curry, Kawhi, LeBron, KD, and Russ. Like, I, I think you almost have to have those five guys in some order as your top five. And this is all... You know, it's so subjective. Like, all of these guys are deserving. But I just think we can't let LeBron's past heights spoil us. And we can't use that as a reason to ding him a little bit here. You know what? I'm looking at his numbers right now. And I'm going to concede something here. Because he actually had better advanced numbers than I thought. Mm Mm-hmm. He had a higher PER this year compared to last year. Even a higher true shooting percentage. His win shares were up, also per 48 minutes. His assist rate was a little down, but not up by a whole lot. His rebounding rate was up. It's just weird because I saw a lot of Cavs games, and I did check the numbers like sporadically, mm-hmm. but he just didn't seem like he had the same impact. It seemed like he was coasting a lot more and just really didn't care. But maybe that's a part of his the leadership curve that he's taking on, like yeah. getting shots to... A lot of others, and then you take you need to take into account that mental factor of him growing as a leader. I can I can appreciate that. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I think what then 
threw me off was the fact that he's indirectly got or maybe not indirectly got david blatt fired yeah that's a good point who was who was 30 and 11 right like don't argue with the results lebron yeah. i mean uh, so i'll i'll admit i think the personality factor maybe have gotten to me yeah i think that's i i, I don't view him necessarily as this terrific leader mm-hmm. i view him as a frat boy at <laughs> times who just likes to hang out with his pals and do weird stuff right yeah. And that's a concern, and I, I, I have a hard time taking him seriously at times, especially when you force out a coach like that. Yeah. Uh, but but I'll concede that he actually had better numbers than I thought he had. <sighs> this is tough, right? I mean, no, I, I don't think I'm stepping off my claim. I still think that Kawhi was above him. That's I fair. Also think Kate, I, I also think KD is above him, but I'm now sitting here thinking maybe, maybe Russ isn't. Okay, so you'd have him fourth now. Yeah, I, I might actually move him up one spot. You can, you you you've nudged me a little bit. <laughs> That's good. That's all I wanted. Yeah, but I I think KD though. I think he's grown really underrated. Yeah. Oh, he totally has, and he reminded us of that in Game Four against the Spurs by he did annihilating the one of the best teams we've ever seen single handedly. But you really touched upon it earlier. You said KD wasn't a bad defender by any means. Yeah. And you're right. He right. isn't. He's long. He knows how to hedge also. And he can cover smaller guys at times. He can even go in and play some posty sometimes because of his his long wingspan. But the fact that he is such an overall deadly scorer and can, and can score from every single space on the floor. I mean, he's ridiculous. He's Stephen Curry ridiculous when he's really on. Yeah. And and that's really what has me bothered a little bit in regards to LeBron because you know you can sack off of him. Yeah, he'll overpower you at the rim, mm-hmm. but he 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 still telegraphs his moves a little bit. Durant is more well-rounded as a scorer, and I don't think the drop-off in defense is all that significant. I fear Kevin Durant more than I do LeBron at this stage. Interesting. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are stuck on the LeBron used to do you know really ridiculous things and he he still does mm-hmm. but not to the same extent as earlier as you also touched upon. Yeah. Whereas Durant now is doing it more and more and more. And I'm not talking about like these wild scoring outbursts. I'm just talking about controlling a basketball game. Right. Yeah, I mean you made a good point about LeBron forgetting how to shoot three-pointers like that's that's certainly yeah, like what happened yeah well he found it in the playoffs so it's not <laughs> yeah not a huge concern but it is a fair point that that definitely constricted uh his ability to impact the game on every level i just think as a passer i mean no one can do what he does like, that's I, yeah that's right i mean yeah. so that's just such a unique characteristic and that Cavs have really built themselves around that you know Budenholzer said, uh, I think between games three and four, he's just like, I don't know what to do. They have so much spacing with Kyrie and J.R. Smith and Kevin Love and Channing Fry. Like, you just put four, four spacers around James, let him run the offense, and you get 25 threes in a game. So I think that passing ability really separates him still. And even though he's, you know, slightly less potent as a scorer and as a shooter his ability to impact the game on every level is it's still unparalleled. Draymond Green is uh, close, but LeBron yeah. is still LeBron. I agree, but I also th- this is where I think 
Durant has become underrated because he still averages five assists a game. Yeah, he is he has definitely improved as a passer in the past couple of years. So he Yeah, I mean in his MVP campaign he was at five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And and no you know, it got some national attention for a bit. Right. But then it then it went away. With LeBron it's been a theme throughout the course of his career and it's kind of unfair to K D that ESPN isn't really giving him the coverage in regards to his improved passing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's you know I'm biased because I, I, I think some channels do have a tendency to put extra focus on players, specific players. Right. Uh, like, okay, let's just call it like it is. ESPN had the heat index yeah, in t- right, right. 2010, right? Yeah. yeah. So you know that they're pre-positioned to maybe overrate certain aspects of a player and, and maybe put – I don't want to say they try to put other people down, but it does seem like they try to like – lift someone up a little bit more and yeah i don't i don't ever think kevin durant has received the respect or the acknowledgement of his improved not only passing but also rebounding mm-hmm. i mean hell that's this true. year he was 28 eight rebounds and five assists yeah that's a wicked ass line yeah yeah and yet like the cover you know the what you cover on kd is like oh he can shoot he can score he's a tremendous scorer right well yeah but he's more than that stop i mean no one's talking. No one's talking about his defense, his rebounding, passing, the fact that he steals one, also has a block, gets to the yeah okay, getting to the lines. People do talk about that, but still, it's it's like he, they package him as a scorer, and then LeBron is this all around player who does more things. Well, that's a flawed way of doing things. Yeah, I, that's that's not reality. Right. Yeah. Well, both both are all around players. LeBron is a better all-around player, yeah. Yeah. But then you can argue, is the gap in offensive capabilities that small? I wouldn't argue that. He, I, don't, I don't think it's small. I think Durant is clearly the better offensive player. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, one point on the assist is that even though he has five assists a game, I think it, the type of assists might be a little different. You know, like LeBron just has the ability to thread the needle between three dudes. Like he has like such yeah unreal vision. Where oh, he's magic. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I I'm a little reluctant just to go by basic box score numbers in terms of their assists because I don't think it really That's captures yeah. what each player brings. That said, you're totally right. Like KD is a very underrated passer. He's gotten much better in that regard. And deserves credit for that. So, you know, all of this is very nitpicky. All of these dudes are incredible. We'd want any of them on our team. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. But we, I did want to just touch touch on that because, you know, the MVP voters didn't allow us to debate the number one player. Thankfully. Oh no no. One award that is a little more controversial, and we talked about this before we even started recording, and it sounds like we disagree a little bit. Is uh, executive of the year. So R.C. Buford got the award for the Spurs. Um, you know, he signed LaMarcus Aldridge and worked the cap to ensure that he had enough room to get Aldridge, keep Kawhi happy and get him to a max deal, signed David West for a veteran minimum. Neil Olshey of the Blazers finished second. Um, and really, he's the guy, you know, this, we had a our chain email chain yesterday on hardwood paroxysm almost got into a civil war over the executive of the year votes because oh marvel plug yeah marvel plug yeah because uh 
you know, some people were saying, you know, Olshi, like, he lost four-fifths of his starting lineup, and this team is in the second round of the playoffs giving the dubs a scare. Like, that's incredible. And, it is. And the way he went about retooling his roster, like, I wrote a piece for bballbreakdown.com last July after this, the dust had settled and they had signed, um, they had signed Davis and Aminu and they had traded for Mason Plumley, and they had uh, sent Batum out for Noah Vonley. Can't remember if they had done the Mo Harkless deal yet, but that was another thing. Like he just executed this really smart set of moves where he said, I've got Dame. He's this guy in his mid twenties. I want to get guys on that same developmental curve. So I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to sign Ben Gordon. I'm not going to freak out (laughs) and get these guys in their thirties. Like, you know, I'm not going to get a Kirk Heinrich to just kind of keep us afloat. Like I want to get guys signed to long-term deals who can grow alongside Dame, who can grow alongside CJ, who can grow alongside Alan Crabb. Um, you know, some of my younger homegrown talents. So that that was the the feather in his cap. Now some yeah. people were arguing, well, you know, Portland was expected to win 30 games this year. Like they were expected to be at the bottom of the West. So mm. didn't he basically win because they surpassed expectations? And if that's the case, isn't that more of a credit to Terry Stotts, the head coach, and to the players themselves? Which is oh, that's ridiculous. No, no, I he deserves credit. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm of the camp where what he did, it doesn't. I agree that if they win 30 games, he's not going to be second, or he's definitely not going to win executive of the year. But he's probably not even going to be second. Yeah, I think he just, you know, I'm so impressed with the way they rebuilt. That results be damned. Like I love that approach of we have our guy, so let's build around him. Short term win loss results be damned. And if it works out like it did for Portland this year, that's great. But I don't think they really, you know, they, Lamarcus went to the Spurs and they, and Olshi came out afterwards and said, look, like we had a chance to re sign Wes Matthews and Robin Lopez, but we told their agents very on in free agency, you're basically a package deal with Lamarcus. Like if he leaves, we're not going to try to re sign you. Like they could have. There was nothing preventing them from trying to re-sign Wes and Rolo, even without LaMarcus. And you bring back the meat of a 50-win team and see what happens. Mm. But Mm. I like the courage of Olshi to say, you know what? That had run its course. Let's go with this new approach where we get rid of our older guys, build one of the youngest rosters in the NBA, and see what happens. So... You know, I personally I would have had Olshi as number one, but I know you are in a different camp, and you think Buford was the guy. Yeah, well, we may not disagree all that much. Uh, it seems because I agree with everything you just said, and I also agree that Olshi should be second. By the way, okay, but that's because you focus on you, you said results be damned, mm-hmm. and I get that. I totally get that. I'm just not in that same camp, and that's why I have Buford. Because he spent the last four years playing this up, and he got Lamarcus freaking Aldridge, and you have to appreciate a team like the Spurs that it's all about sharing responsibility, going out and getting a star player of this magnitude. 
because let's let's be honest for a second nba players have huge egos especially high volume players yeah. they do it's just a common fact and to buy into to convince a guy to buy into a concept about sharing and and not being selfish and and making the extra pass making the correct reads and basically reschooling your play to fit the great the greater nature of the team that takes some convincing and i know greg Pavlovich had a role mm-hmm. in this but that wouldn't have been able that he wouldn't even have been able to present anything had it not been for rc buford yeah that's a good point and i i i mean i i just i think when you convince a guy of that magnitude to actually be open to changing his game to suit the betterment of their team that's huge and especially like a guy of that volume like lamarcus freaking aldridge this wasn't some seldom used forward that the Spurs just dusted with magic Spurs, uh, whatever, and, and then turned them into a star like they used to, usually do. This was an established star that they somehow convinced to get on board. And if they do the same to Kevin Durant this summer, wow. Yeah. I think they opened something here. I think they opened a door they had not opened before getting established guys in and making them believe in a system that is already established on its own merits. And if RC Buford, which I think, I think he's the one who's laying the groundwork for this. If he's the guy at the helm doing this, then hell yeah, he deserves to win. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, the thing I would give him credit for is having the foresight to not sign Kawhi to an extension right away because that kept his, low cap hold on the books as you said we'll have a separate talk about cap holds later um but it kept it kept the option open to sign that type of max level free agent and then turn give Kawhi the money he very rightfully deserves but yeah. it really you're right it opened the door for a very non-san antonio-esque way of team building or one that we haven't seen in this duncan era so yeah, I mean, I don't want to take away from Buford. I think that that specifically was brilliant, and that shows years of foresight because he knows. And Danny Green, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, right. Yeah. Four years, forty million. Yeah. I mean, what other GM could keep him in the fold for four years, forty million? Right. Yeah. I mean, part of me wonders how much of that is like. I, I mean, I guess he's probably the one who is proposing these contract terms. So, you know, mm. that, that is part of it. But how much is it like, hey, Danny, you have won a title with us. Like, we turned, we saved you. We saved your NBA career. You're like, you were in the scrap heap. Cleveland had waived you and we brought you in. We, like, turned you into a major contributor. You stay here. You know, you're going to have a chance to win 50 plus games every year. You know your role. I just don't know how much convincing he has to do, even with. Are you arguing that he played the blame game and that somehow worked? That's a good thing. If it, if the blame game works, yeah. then that's yeah. all that matters. That's true. I mean, I think the <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. The though. Aldridge stuff. I mean, it is worth noting that he wasn't by any means guaranteed to sign in San Antonio, and they actually had to put up a yeah. pretty good fight against Phoenix, who brought in surprise, surprise. Yeah, well, they they like brought in Tyson Chandler just to sign Lamarcus, and then that backfired. Hey, we got you, Tyson Chandler. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's that's nothing. Thirty-three year old Tyson Chandler. Yeah. So yeah. that I mean, 
I don't want to take credit away for Buford what he did, but yeah, this just feels like you know he got rewarded for doing less than what Olshi did. Now, see that I can agree with. That I can agree with with the volume of work. Totally, yeah. I just think the preparation and the magnitude, the you know the 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 the, board, the fruit bearing yeah. of what the planning really did, is what makes this a clear Buford win. But I totally get what you're saying, and I agree that he did not put in the same work as Olsen. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I mean, that's fair, but. Could we agree on something? At least they came in one and two. Yeah. And at least at least Neil wasn't down like in the fifth oh, or yeah. sixth yeah, area. Yeah, that would have been, that I mean, been atrocious. That, yeah. yeah. But I, I do... Where did Danny Ainge land? Um, you know? I think he was fifth or sixth. I don't remember exactly where. That I have a problem with. Yeah. Well, Jay, Jay Crowder, Crowder was the one. Yeah. But Isaiah was or last basically year. Basically just... Uh, yeah, I know, but that wasn't even him. Yeah. So, but he did trade for that contract. Right, right. I just, I just like like the fact that the position they he put himself in, okay. the fact that Boston was his playoff team as yep. well. I mean, Danny has created the. I've said this a million times, and I'm sorry, listeners. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> the Boston Celtics have the best salary structure in the NBA yeah. right now. They just do right. in terms of veterans, and it's just you got to give him credit for it. I, I for sure would have put Danny at three. Yeah, I, I I don't remember who finished third, fourth. I think the one that I wanted to touch on briefly was Sam Hinkie, who actually Aww. he got one second place vote and two third place votes, which I thought was I can understand why he did it or why what why other executives voted for him, but it's weird because he only got one second place vote last year. And so <laughs> last year he did, he traded MCW, who I think everyone can agree is not a good basketball player for a Lakers pick that could be number four this year. He traded Thad Young's expiring contract for a Miami pick that finished one spot out of number 11 last year, which would have been, I mean, could have been Miles Turner, could have been Devin Booker, could have been Cameron Payne. Mm-hmm. Traded for JaVale, or he, Acquired JaVale McGee to get OKC's first round pick. That was also pretty close to conveying last year. I think the KD thing, that really knocked any chance of it conveying out. But like all of these moves had a chance of landing four first round picks last year. Three of them yeah. pushed back, whatever. Um, but they, I mean... Delayed reaction. Yeah, but they like we talked about. They it. still could have a big payoff down the line. I mean, he, the KJ McDaniel's handling of that wasn't ideal, but he basically oh, and the, he traded uh, on draft night. He picked Alfred Payton tenth, and then immediately traded him to Orlando for number twelve pick, which was Dario Saric, and then yeah. also got the first rounder back that Philly traded in the Andrew Bynum deal. So he got a first round pick for moving down two spots, which is absurd, especially because of how, I mean that. 2017 first round pick from philly like look at this team right now they're you know they're guaranteed the top four pick this year like that's probably going to be a top 10 pick next year so he got mm-hmm. two he got a free top 10 pick back to move down two spots and probably take the guy that he was targeting anyway so 
basically last year was like a freaking masterclass in GMing, like just totally savaging, like just taking advantage of teams that are undervaluing future assets. He picked up a bunch of second round picks for like Brandon Davies and like just random terrible players. This year, he did the Sacramento Kings thing where he just, you know, took advantage of Vlade not knowing what the salary cap is and what pick swaps are. And that that, that still cracks me yeah, up, though. Like, that was great. That was awesome. He deserves props for that. Aside from that, he takes Jaleel Okafor instead of Christoph Przingis. You know, I we can debate over whether that was his choice or yeah. management, but, you know, obviously doesn't look like a great decision right now. And that's it. Like, he didn't do anything else. In fact, he actually traded two second-round picks on Christmas Eve to get Ish Smith back after not re-signing him. Like, they, he completely failed to address the point guard situation and thought, like, Kendall Marshall coming off a torn ACL was the solution. So, like, compared to his 2014-2015 campaign, where he did a lot and, like, set the franchise up really well for the future, he didn't do all that much this year so i'm like i'm a little confused as to how he got more votes this year than he did last year part of me thinks that i mean he resigned that first week of april so i don't know when these executive votes are due i'm guessing up until the last day of the season so maybe these third place votes were just like a show of confidence like you know what you were right your process did make sense like you got you the the sixers ownership did you wrong and we're gonna show our support good job sam like you're gonna get another job in the nba soon so maybe that was it you know i just i just needed to get that off my chest because i i love it like i think it's a perfect f you to jerry colangelo (laughs) that this guy got executive of the year votes and then stepped down because you wanted to remove all his power so that's great but yeah it's just opened my eyes a little bit especially when i went back and looked last year at the, the voting results well, you, you basically just stole my point. This is a Kobe Bryant MVP situation. Yeah. Just a delayed reaction. I don't think anyone, and myself included, understood what he was trying to do two years ago. Mm-hmm. So he was looked at this as this Dr. Frankenstein maniac. And now it became clear. Yeah. It really became clear. And I also think people, myself included, once more, we're lost in this idea that he was building a losing culture because, okay, you know, he wasn't the one building the losing culture, but a, a losing culture was established because of what he was doing. Right. And a lot of people thought that was a bad thing. And I remember specifically really hating that aspect of, of the way he rebuilt. So I may have put a bit more emphasis on that part instead of looking at the gathering of assets. Mm-hmm which I should have, and a lot of people should have. Yeah. And now, as I've evolved, <laughs> apparently, and others as well, we've seen now that what he was doing was the right thing. He was gathering assets, a boatload of them, right. and just waiting to cash in. You made a very, very good point a couple podcasts ago that he may have been waiting, he may have waited one year too many, yeah. like before cashing yeah. in. You could have argued that he should have cashed in, cashed in last year instead of just continued compiling assets. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think he would have done very well. And I even think the, the Sixers could have been a playoff team this year if he had cashed in all his chips. Yeah, I think the bad luck in terms of the lottery picks not conveying 
coupled with Joel Embiid having a second foot surgery. I think yeah. that'll all just yeah. push the timeline back. But the thing that's going to drive me absolutely up a freaking wall this summer is when they start signing guys and it's already happening with Dario Saric. Like one nameless Philly columnist has already said like, oh, well, if he comes over it because they changed the karma of the team, like that's so, so (laughs) stupid. It's so unbelievably, they were, no matter who was in charge, Sam Hinkie, Brian Colangelo, me, like, it does not matter. They were going to make strides this offseason. They were going to go in free agency for the first time. They were going to have three first-round picks, maybe two top-five picks, depending on how the lottery goes. Like, they were going to get better no matter what. So, like, it's going to drive me up a wall when Brian Colangelo gets credit for this the foundation that Hinky laid. Like, I, I, to your point about the asset gathering, like, everyone who crapped on him needs to remember what he inherited. Like, they traded away yeah. Iguodala, Vucevic, Harkless, and a first-round pick for Andrew Bynum, who never played a game with the team. So they gave away four valuable assets. Harkless was, like, who? I mean, he was a first mid-first-round pick at the time. You could argue that he wasn't that valuable, like, heading into this year. But now seeing him in Portland, like, he's a good player. He's he's not, yeah, he's not he, going to change your franchise, but he's, like, he is a piece. He is a valuable piece. Well, and he had value. Yeah. He had value because he was a first-round pick, so he was a cheap contract for four right. years. Just that fact alone, especially at that point in time, yeah. because the, the uncertainty of the salary cap at that point in time made him valuable. Right. So I think it's totally fair to call him a valuable yeah. piece. So giving away those four guys for nothing, like that depletes your franchise. So Hanky undid Obviously. the damage of that in two years, which is – Three years faster than anyone could have feasibly expected. Like that, that Bynum trade <laughs> yeah. blowing up should have set the franchise back a full half decade. So, I feel like he's being blamed for the crimes of his predecessors. Which, and I shouldn't even say crimes because like that Bynum trade was defensible if it worked out. But uh, it just, yeah, it just drives me nuts. Like anyone who criticizes him for his overall vision, like his execution, fine. Like you can make gripes about it. Like even the the craziest Sixers fans are like, yeah, maybe we should have signed a point guard. Like, Kendall Marshall's not so great. Tony Roten, mm, probably not mm, Probably not your yeah. best starting point guard option. But you have to, you can't, like, trifle with his overall vision when you take into account what he inherited and now what he left the team with. Like, damn it, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> this is a damn it, Obama situation, right? It, it really right? is. It really is. He had to clean up after Bush. Yeah, yeah And exactly. now... He, yeah, and now you know he he's he's moving on, and Donald Trump is potentially or Hillary Clinton is is coming in, and that's not great by any means. Right, exactly. <laughs> this that that's the Sixers. The Sixers are the pre, the U.S. presidential election. That sounds right. Except well, except we're not as embarrassing as the Sixers are. Oh, that's but true. Yeah. but in <laughs> six months' time, we very well could be. No, I I you know what I think the league is going to wise up. Not not just to Sam Hinkie, but also to the fact that the display of nepotism yeah. with the Colangelos, yeah. and the fact that if they fail again, and I'm gonna say they, even though Brian is in charge, because you just know his pops is gonna be involved somehow. Oh, for sure, zero yeah. question. They have they they've never won a championship, and I mean. Andrea Bargnani was apparently a good decision. Trading for Rudy Gay was apparently a good decision. So when Brian was in Toronto, and I am really questioning that kind of 
decision making. And if they become the laughing stock of the league again, at least Hinky will get some level of redemption. Yeah. You as a Sixers fan might, you know, blow your brains out, right. but at least Hinky will will get some redemption. Yeah, I think. I mean, he's gonna get another job, and, and these votes show that. You know, please be Chicago. Please be <laughs> Chicago. I, I mean, I, I Sam Hinky, come to Chicago. Just take Gar and just wipe him out the door. <laughs> Throw some donuts out there. He'll go chase him. <laughs> and on that depressing note, I think we're gonna wrap up here. Well, that'll do it for our special two-part episode of the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. As always, be sure to check out bballbreakdown.com for all of your playoff action. You can get game recaps of every game. We'll have series recaps coming out soon, series previews for the conference finals. Until then, Morton, it's always a pleasure. Oh, likewise, Bri. It's been fun. Take care. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.